Welcome back to Search Wars, the Yext Talk Season 2. My name is Christian Ward. I'm Chief Data Officer of Yext, and I am so very pleased to introduce our guest today, Sridhar Ramaswamy, the founder and CEO of Neva. Welcome, Sridhar. Christian, I'm very excited to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. Absolutely, absolutely. So many of our audience are familiar with Neva. We've actually spoken about the platform in the past and in season one, just because everything you were starting down the path of and what you were launching was very in line with the concepts of where we think search is headed and the decentralization of search. But let's start off, if you could introduce yourself and your background. I know you're at Google for a very long time. Tell us kind of a little bit of your journey getting here to founding Neva. Yeah, I did my bachelor's in India a long time ago, actually in computer science, without quite even knowing what computer science was, honestly. I was like, oh, that sounds cool. And then I was on the East Coast for about 10 years, first got a PhD from Brown University, and then worked for research labs like Belcor and Bell Labs, you know, the famed Murray Hill building where the transistor was invented. Not that I did anything (laughs) as exciting. (laughs) So yeah, there for 10 years, and then moved to the West Coast about 20 years ago, Went through a classic, you know, Valley experience of a startup that just was like this absolute flame out, did incredibly well and came cratering down. Joined Google actually as an engineer because I was a little shell shocked by the ups and downs of being in a startup, being a manager and so on. And so I went to write code. That's what I did when I went to Google now 18 years ago. It was an amazing time. I was very lucky to be just slotted entirely by accident into possibly the best business ever invented, which is search ads. We had no clue, but it was a very intense team. That's probably the right word. It's about 15 people. They're in charge of like all, pretty much all monetization for search. I used to joke to people that the team offered unparalleled opportunities for you to make a complete fool of yourself. You could like bring everything down with one line of code. And I have, which is quite terrifying. And uh, yeah, you know, grew with the team. Uh, ran the search ads team and then started doing more things, ran the shopping team and then all of ads for for five years. You know, maybe it's my academic background, but I'm also a bit of a skeptic. I see the good in things, but I also see the not so good. And so one of the things that always bothered me at Google, especially as it got bigger and more dominant, was kind of its attitude to information. Google basically, if you're in the information business, you are Google's competitor. That's roughly how Google thinks about this. These tech companies are very unique, several of them, in that they are coming of age at a time where like everything is becoming software, everything is moving online. And so they literally see their market as everything. And so, you know, if you're in the information business, at some level, Google thinks like you should not be there. And that was kind of like, so what line did we draw for ourselves? How were we a good partner in the overall web ecosystem was something that used to bother me. I left for a bunch of reasons. One, I'd been in ads for 15 years, and there was a part of me that's like, yeah, there's more to life than ads. I also saw very much the ugly side of both ads and content with YouTube. It was quite a bit of a wake-up call for me. And I also felt like the company needed competition, different ways. As you know, like no one started a company saying they want to be a monopoly. They just kind of like turn out to be by mostly accident. But once they have monopolies, they're very good at preserving their monopoly. And so clearly, like other models were not really going to be deeply examined by, you know, by Google. I always point to things like how somebody at at and actually invented the answering machine. Remember those? Yes, uh, the I do. The mail machines? Yeah, 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 yeah. In the 1930s, at and held it back because he said, oh, if we release this, there'll be fewer calls and that would be bad. 
that's sort of what monopolies do. They look out for what's good for them. And there was a part of me that said like, you know, I just kind of want out. I want to rethink my career, go do something else. Neva came because both my co-founder Vivek and I passionately loved the problem of search. Didn't like where search was going in terms of how advertiser dominated it was becoming. And it was how it was like kind of, as I said, all encompassing. And the starkest way in which I can put this to you was I started Neva because I thought that the outcome that we as a country and honestly as like as just people were headed to was a situation outside of China in which for all commercial queries, Google gave you a page full of ads, which by the way is legal. There's nothing illegal about doing that. And for all non-commercial queries, Google only gave results that it had. The web was gone. I was like, that's the logical progression of how Google thinks and operates. A, I want no part of it. B, I think it's a terrible outcome. C, and this is the genesis of Neva, we think we can create a better product and disrupt how this is working. It makes total sense. I remember there's uh, in this this movie, Ready Player One, great book. There's a moment where the sort of the evil character says, we think we can put 80% of the visual field of a player's helmet into ads before inducing seizures. And that's a little bit of where it feels like it is, which is from a space perspective, it's all ads. And on the flip side, while well, you said that's not legal, it's not a great customer experience. And a lot of where we see Neva or really anyone that's sort of rethinking search, give everyone sort of the backdrop of Neva. So if it's not an ads-based platform, how does Neva make money and how does it create that personalized experience? Yeah, our thesis was that freed of the, the burden, the tyranny, the necessity, whatever you want to call it, of needing to make money with ads, we were free to imagine what the product could be. I'll give you a ton of examples. And none of this is your sort of classic evil people smoking cigar in some back room deciding the fate of the world. It's more like, yeah, that's kind of how life works. The same reason why two competing airlines in a route figure out soon enough that cutting prices is not a great strategy. And so they like, they don't collude at anything, but it kind of stays up there. Yeah, it just works its way, yeah, yeah. Just works its way to that. Similarly, how search operates is the same thing. There is a reason why if you run like, I don't know, a query for houses to rent in Lake Tahoe, there is a reason why that search result page does not look like an Airbnb search page. It could. You could just show all pictures. At that point, people want to see like pictures. That's all they want to see. But the fact of the matter, the, the, the blunt truth here is like, well, you know, text makes money and images don't. And so for the organic experience to be all visual, while there are text ads above on top, the ads wouldn't make any money. Which is interesting because that Airbnb, I don't know if you saw, they put that button, I'm flexible now. So on their homepage, they added this search. It's up like 180% in the last few months. And I think people are realizing they would rather search there for where they're going to go than start with Google because of that exact user experience. Exactly. And there are a thousand examples like this of how is search influenced. In fact, you know, one of the things that we are very excited about and it'll come out in a few weeks is, you know, what we call search and suggest, which is we think for more than half the queries, you never have to see a search result page. Why? Because the clicks for these queries are within the top three results and we can show those to you right in the suggest box. And so voila, no page. You start searching, you see the result that you want, you tap on it, you go by your way, Neva at that point disappears. It's just sort of, it's the connector. Ne will never work in an ads model. 
So anyway, coming back, our take is given how much awareness there is of things like load, given how much awareness there is of what we roughly call tracking, which is basically you did something, ads showed up on social media. That's the thing that people really hate. You're like, we can break both of this. So we will start with an ads-free private search engine where there are no ads, clearly, but you're searching, you're browsing, are going to be walled off from all the snoops that are out there. That's the baseline that kind of gets a consumer going, oh, really? But then what we actually offer, and it's very early, search is a hard product, as you know, and our team is like 50 people trying to compete with, I don't know, 8,000, something like that. But we can personalize it, you can personalize it more, you are in charge. And so everything from news preferences to being able to bring your own personal data, more and more, the search begins to resemble a service that's working for you. And that's what the model facilitates. A simple feature that we almost did kind of as a joke, but has proven to be very popular is something we call facets. You know, we're like a bunch of software engineers here, right? You are all like, oh, we hate those sites that can basically SEO their way to the top and they're full of ads. We hate them, we hate them. We want the official sites. And so we just slap some labels on top and said, hey, um, you can click on this button and see official sites, just the official sites if you want, if you search for whatever. How do you split a string in Golang? People loved it because they sort of hate the people that have like SEO'd their way to the top. And so we have done similar things. If you look for COVID vaccines, we want you to be able to tell what are the things that are straight from the government or from reputable nonprofit sites as opposed to, you know, like the ad-supported sites, ad-supported medical sites, where generally if you go, like you will conclude within 30 seconds you're dying because, you know, there'll be a do you have cancer article at the bottom and you'll inevitably click on it and you'll go, oh my God. And so we're like, no, 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 we are about providing you with information. That's the kind of agency that we want. Another thing people ask is like, um, I only want small retailers. Do not show me the large ones for shopping queries. We have not quite yet done that. But that's the kind of stuff that begins to pile up because it becomes all about what does the customer want. It's amazing to me, the healthcare search queries. I can show people this. You can just try this anyone at home is if you go look in Google and type in something like cataracts, you'll get a knowledge panel on the right-hand side. And when you click on the source of the data, it's not like the Mayo Clinic or some authority. It actually just takes you back to Google where it says, hey, you should consult a physician, but it doesn't actually show you the source of the medical information. So they're even controlling really, you know, sort of very sensitive topics like that. And again, I, I understand why they do it, keep people in the ecosystem. This idea, by the way, of I only want to shop local or have local, you know, a lot of those businesses don't have the budget to play the SEO reindeer games. So is that something you could see even happening where you almost sort of are taking away that tool set to allow the person, the searcher, enable interaction with people that maybe don't have the team of 50 people that are quote unquote SEO to help those businesses surface more answers? 100%, this is not quite yet done, but these are the kinds of things that we think we can facilitate. And we can do that in a way that's very much user focused. As I said, uh, we've played on and off. The quality hasn't been that great with like a small retailer facet where you just tap on something and all the big retailers are gone. But you know, remember your search history is kind of like the stuff that you care about. And we would be perfectly happy to connect you with small merchants that have those products or with local merchants that have that. Uh, and so we have plans for things like, hey, can we do a feed of products for you of things that you might be interested in? But here's the important but, same model. 
We don't want to make money off of those. We are just a person that brings you and information together. And anything that we show you there, like you should feel assured that it's sort of in your best interest. This might be interesting to you, still not an ad. And so, and sort of the joke that I have, you know, that I make when various companies tell me, oh, we serve a noble function by charging small advertisers a lot of money. We connect them with customers. Right, and I've I seen like, that argument a lot. <laughs> software is not that hard. You're a small merchant, so you tell me you make 10 products. To hook you up with all the customers that express interest in that product, sorry, that's not rocket science. That's pretty easy. And so those are the kinds of things that, again, are natural consequences. So I very much see a moment in which there is going to be a section in your home feed that says offers you might be interested in. It's sort of up to you what you want to do with it. But you still get that guarantee that we don't do ads, we don't do affiliate links, we are not trying to like, you know, nickel and dime you in every corner. You decide if it's worthwhile for you. And if it is, we show it to you. Yeah, I love also the, what you're describing before where one of the goals of Neva is sort of to get out of the way. If that initial suggestion is obvious, that's a little bit like if a personalized search engine and the I'm feeling lucky button got together and had a good experience together. I want to talk just briefly also about this concept around privacy, because as we discussed in the opening, this is a very important topic to me. We talk a lot here on Search Wars about you know third-party data, first-party data, and zero-party data. And really, you basically you're saying you pretty much play in the space of zero party. Everything that is that you are building is where the customer has entered a query. And the beauty of queries really are the relationship with the search engine. Talk to us about, you've done, a, I believe, a bunch of new partnerships with privacy-first uh, uh, browsing platforms. How do you see the privacy sort of war or sort of the continued interest in privacy? Where do you think that goes? Because it, it feels like it ebbs and flows based on the latest New York Times headline. But in general, where do do you see people seeing privacy in their lives? Yeah, I think privacy is an abstract concept. And because of, of how the internet has evolved, people can't define what online privacy even is. And a set of companies have also defined it to be, no one should know anything about what you're doing. And that makes, you know, the kind of things we are talking about, how your experience should be personalized, very hard to do. We think of privacy, I mean, first of all, if something is your own data and you have no intention of sharing it, or like it, there was no explicit intention that you wanted to share it, then it's no one's business to snoop. Yours is yours. And so, for example, we don't like our extension will do nothing in the background. Why? because it's an extension, it's running in the background. It's not the expectation that it's collecting information. So that's like part one. The other important part is we think privacy in the context of an interaction is that there are like explicit agreements about how your data is going to be used. If I get into a conversation with you and say, Chris, this is between you and me, and we are very clear in our expectation. In this podcast, for example, it's like our expectation is like, yes, you're going to put it up and anyone can listen to the conversation. And so we think like products, sites should be very explicit about how is it that they are operating. And our take is the kind of product that we want to create is by default, what you do on and with Neva is between you and Neva. It's not shared with anyone else. It's a simple setup. And so because we are saying that the product is paid, we feel like this is the least that we can do. We don't want to turn to one of those people that's like, oh, we're going to charge you money. 
and we're going to take your data and do stuff with it. I'm like, none of that stuff. What you see is what you get with Neva. You pay for the product, and in return, we basically say all of your data is used to make the product better for you. You're in charge. If you're like, hey, Neva, I don't even want my search history, that's also perfectly fine. But to me, it is that kind of simple expectation between two parties that are interacting. And we think that the world is slowly moving there. Apple clearly is taking steps along that direction. But what our extension does, what our mobile browser does, a little bit more aggressively, what even Apple can do is we prevent third-party trackers from looking at you. And the thing, by the way, the most visceral way in which people love about this is they go, oh, you mean like if I search, I won't have ads show up in my social media feed? You go like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, which is uh, the one, it's, it's amazing to me, so many people uh, where they've been talking with their significant other at home or, or another adult about, you know, what vacation they want to go on. And then they see it in their Instagram feed and they're, they're freaking out. They're like, I didn't, I didn't type that anywhere. I didn't say it. And I'm like, you did. You don't remember it or the person you're speaking to, but we know you're in the same house. We know it. like it's so easy to triangulate. So it's outstanding that they get that when you explain it to them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, hopefully this becomes more the norm for privacy. This is also a little bit of an object lesson in how well-intentioned regulation can just not be that helpful. You know, all the cookie consent screens, they mostly irritate people. They irritate me. I'm like, I also feel people play so many games trying to get me to click the wrong thing. I'm like, it's mentally tiring to deal with these, like these constantly people scheming. And so we very much wanted to create a product in which we were like, what you see is what you get. There is a simple model and that's what we are going to stick to. And by the way, the other side of privacy, which has been good, is people take privacy seriously. And so someone found a word about how in our privacy policy, that said, Neva might use data from previous sites that you have visited and took us to task over it as they should. It turns out that we had put in that phrase strictly to say, we will look at the referrer to see where our traffic is coming from so we can figure out like, hey, where should we spend more time? But like people took us a task on it. We are making an update to the privacy policy you know, about this. But it goes to show you that there is this hunger for make my life simple. Don't make it more complicated. Yeah. And I love the explicit statement of expectations because I think that is the, the key here, the absolute mental hula hoops you have to jump through to set privacy settings on Facebook or now any website, that cookie drop down where it gives me 32 options. It's just, it's again, it's designed as user interface to frustrate in that it's not really an acceptance of the law. And that's really sad because it really doesn't need to be that way. And I mean, many studies have shown it actually engages customers on a more honest and a truthful manner, but I still think it's just going to take a very long time before people have that comfort that the expectation is understood on both sides, because right now it's, it's very murky. So when you were talking about the ability for me to personalize my algorithm, at Yext, we obviously bring AI search to major corporations. And our goal is any corporate governments, like if you go to the United States State Department, the state of New Jersey, the World Health Organization, any platforms we, we power their search the idea is that they are the most authoritative source of, of questions about them. And you had mentioned something I th thought interesting, which is when I type something in right now into a Google or a cent major centralized search engine like Google, obviously it's really about the SEO, the ads. Even if I have a branded search, so many times it does not actually bring you the brand for the exact search. 
it sounds like you're actually looking at that as, hey, if you want to just get, when you ask a branded question, the answer directly from the brand for that. Like, And again, I'm not talking about subjective queries. That's, I think the world needs its own subjective sites and ratings, but really objective things like, is Carvel ice cream around the corner open right now? That sort of query, do you see a world where you just bring the answer from the objective, truthful source? And is that something that, is that along the lines of facets or, because to me, that just makes so much more sense than getting back, you know, six billion search results that have nothing to do with what I'm looking for. I mean, for nav searches that are purely information seeking, absolutely. I think where it can get tricky when it comes to bringing information from a site is when it gets into things like fair use and how search engines interact with publishers. And so we want to be thoughtful. We want to be allies to publishers. I think part of the issue with traditional search engines is they feel no particular allegiance to publishers. They're like, ah, I have content. We'll take it. We'll use it. And so that's the line that we want to be clear about. But when there is direct intent, 100%, we should simply be getting the information kind of right from the site and showing it to the customer because that's sort of what they are looking for. I hated nav ads, by the way, which is, you know, those, those sort of like competing ads because the user has expressed a very clear intent and trying to create a competitive situation there is just, you know, not that great for the user. And yeah, for those kinds of queries, we absolutely, this is part of you know what we say when we are like, hey, we want to get you where you want to go. It's not like we don't want to be an obstacle in the way. The defensive ad budgets at major brands is absolutely staggering. It blows my mind where it's literally like, I mean, the word L'Oreal when properly typed is incredibly unique. And yet they have to buy ad after ad after ad in that defense of that, that territory when it's clear that's what I'm looking for the answer from. But we're obviously very excited about that. We think exposing incredibly well-structured data from the objective authority, meaning the company or the business, to platforms like yours can really speed the customer and almost more excitedly, from my perspective, it can also power conversational AI because you know we're talking from a specific source about a specific topic, which is certainly a direction we're headed. Do you see Neva? I've seen in some of the updates and some of the, the designs that you have put on the site. Where do you see conversational AI? I know it's still you know a little bit in its infancy, but is that is that the end state that you're that you're building towards? It's definitely down the line. It is something that we want to do. The tech has gotten easier and easier. But it's just one of these back to the what do you do when you have a team that's 100th or 1200th the size of a competing team. It's just it's a matter of priorities. By the way, I ran the query New York Times on mobile on you know a large search engine. The first one is an app install ad for the New York Times. The second one is an app install ad for the Washington Post and then an actual link to the paper. Yeah. And that's a, that's a pretty well-known brand. So that probably shouldn't be an issue, but yes, it's, it's amazing. And that's look to us. We think if we can help even cut down on that by having a far superior search experience. Now, one thing that we're very excited about, and we, we, you talked, we talked a little bit about this with Airbnb, because I think they're a good demonstration of this, which is people are getting better at search on their own. They're leveraging open source technologies to power their own sort of corporate search. Because as I like to think about the single most expensive click in marketing today is the one back to 
Google. As soon as they go back to Google, you got to rebuy the SEO, you got to re-pray for the SEM and SEO to work together, all of that. But we're seeing this, it feels like a decentralization of search and Neva is part of that. Do you see, you know, trends? Because I think a lot of people look at Neva and go, you're really, you're going to compete with Google, but I'm not sure that's really what we're talking about. It, it, it feels like it's also a completely different value proposition when you break it down. So explain to me how you see search decentralizing and, and sort of the, I feel like we just lived through 23 years of centralization of search. How does the decentralization of search play into your, your vision? This is a great question. You know, we certainly see ourselves as complementary. I mean, Google is like, you know, it's literally a two trillion company. And so we see ourselves as offering an option to people of showing how you can chart a different path. And you know, the subscription companies do fine with remarkably small numbers of active customers. So for us, like 1% market share, like massive success. And so I think that is one part. But in a weird way, I think this is why like you're very successful. Search is hard. People are like, oh, I can put stuff into Elastic. It'll like just work. It's really hard. And especially when you're dealing with sensitive data, things like access controls become very, very difficult. But even the basics of search, everything from like query understanding, how you rewrite queries, how you handle synonyms, abbreviations, the list goes on and on. So yes, I think some kinds of search have gotten easier, but I think the core problem is still pretty hard. And I think honestly, like Google just got bored of things like site search. They could have powered site search for like the whole planet. And they're like, yeah, eh, not so interesting, kind of hard. And so they, they, they sort of gave up on it. So I think there are definitely many interesting problems that still require sort of expert teams to solve. If you go to social media, by the way, you'll notice massive differences in search competencies. Mainstream social media sites have remarkably terrible search. I almost think it's by design. It's just, it's so bad. I don't even know how you can, it's really bad, but it's so true. So I think there is definitely that in that there are going to be options. And as more data moves online, like, you know, company data, I think there will be, we do a little bit of this by, you know, supporting what we call connections or apps. I think you will see that also come into play, but none of these companies have sort of hit major, major kind of market share. I think it is still evolving. Yeah. And I think, you know, when we saw, I want to say it was maybe almost four or five years ago when Amazon started winning more product searches than maybe on Google. And you started to see a little bit of this. It's not to say that there isn't enough to go around, but I mean, just a, a shot across the bow of Google is realistically no ad supported model has ever withstood the onslaught by competent subscription models yet. It's a very common situation. People are like, guys, that's why television doesn't have commercials because now it's on, it's on Netflix or it's on YouTube. But you have to understand that interruption of the experience, whether in text or in video, is always going to suffer when you have, but it has to, as you point, it has to be a good experience. It's not just because you don't want to see ads. It's got to be better. And that's what I think all of us are really building towards. That's right. That's absolutely right. So one thing we like to do here is naturally just you're a visionary. You've been in the space for a long time. We'd love to hear sort of a bold prediction of where you see search going in the next five years. Obviously, I have a feeling I know where you'd like to see it go, but give us in your words what, what you'd like to see and what that holds for Neva. I see the search experience getting worse, not better. And if anything, if you go to some of the other search engines, you will see how bad it can get even today. 
Neva is trying to actually be only the third major tech player, far behind Google and Bing, clearly, in terms of investing in its own stack for crawling the public web and searching. We you know, obviously started, started late, but I think the search experience is, is going to get significantly worse. You see this more and more, whether it's on social media and elsewhere, the ad load is going to get higher. And I think so things are going to get worse before they get better. To your point, the ads model has been disrupted many, many times, always by subscription players. And you know this obviously happened with like HBO and Netflix when it came to broadcast TV. Uh, I like to point to Costco as a subscription player competing with others, obviously, uh, obviously Amazon Prime or even Spotify, which has a hybrid model. So we think of this as a, this is a cycle of companies and models. So I don't quite know when the peak is going to be in terms of when will the ads model crest, but it feels like in terms of market share, that'll be sometime in the next 10 years before something like the subscription model really takes off. Obviously, we hope we will be the ones that will be benefiting from it, but that is earned. And if you look at like how Netflix has grown, you know, it's like a 20-year-old company. Things like that. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, it's amazing. I, you know, my, my children don't realize that they started sending CDs in the mail first. I'm like, really? They don't remember. My guys, it was literally like a blockbuster by mail. It was that that close to the model, but really kind of amazing how, how it has grown and, and evolved. Sridhar, so we also love to ask, you know, who's the next person that we should have on that you find in search or you think in the search industry is interesting or has a vision of where things might be going. Who's someone else that you would uh, consider a, a good idea? Uh, specifically in search. Yeah, certainly this season, we're very focused on all the players in search and the people that we think are really making a difference. Anyone uh, come to mind? Well, you should try and get Mikhail. He runs the Bing team. That'll be a lively conversation. He's really, he has incredible energy. He has pushed the team forward, I think, getting an update. He's the person that sort of comes to mind in terms of folks that are changing up things. Pandu always, obviously, I have an enormous amount of respect for Pandu and what he has done over the last 10, 15 years. He will be a fabulous uh, person to have on your show as well. Absolutely. Excellent. Well, we will reach out to them as well. And if anyone else comes to mind, shoot me a note. We love hearing you've been in this a long time and certainly have a, a great vision. Neva is very exciting. One of the ideals behind it is, you know, really giving back the power of search to the individual. And I just think that's outstanding. So Sridhar Ramaswamy, the founder and CEO of Neva. Thanks so much, Sridhar. Thank you, Christian. You know, any of your listeners can sign up for a free trial by going to neva.com, N-E-E-V-A.com. We're currently in the U.S. Uh, super easy product to try out. Give it a shot. And that's our episode for today. Thank you all for your time. We hope you got some valuable insights from today's discussion. And as always, please subscribe to the Yext Talks podcast to hear more and to get more answers to the questions that matter.